0: That's T, the number two, t.org. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Buck Sexton Show. Very pleased to be joined by first time on this program, uh, Leilani Dowding. She is a UK based commentator. You see her on GB News. Her Twitter game is fierce. She's also formerly uh, from the Real Housewives of Cheshire, which I hope I am pronouncing correctly. Mm-hmm. Leilani, thank you very much for being here with us. Appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having me on here.
0: So I I first became aware of your commentary, uh, your, your punditry during COVID when many of us were locked away. I don't know where you were in the UK during it. I was in New York City in Midtown in the middle of the abject lunacy. I saw the hospital ship floating floating by my window wow. literally saw it as it was going up the hudson cuz i was uh, living in midtown manhattan and everything was you know locked down it was the end of the world and then there were some of us who were saying hey guys this is a really crazy idea this whole lockdown thing right and you were very early in that what's it like now as as you look around the uk i wanted to fast forward to the the current moment when you look around and all these people who did all this stuff, are any of them sorry? Do any of them come up to you and say you were right? Like, how is it from your perspective?
1: Yeah, this is the craziest thing. No one has ever apologized to me and said sorry. And I've lost so many friends. I mean, literally. Um, I had just moved back, actually, at the time of lockdown, I had just moved back from Los Angeles to England. So I was in the middle of the country in Staffordshire. So I had a lot of friends in Los Angeles um who were seeing my posts who were really like angry at me they were so angry at me um i've kind of lost touch with them no one's ever reached out and said anything um the uk is really free now i feel like i lost a lot of friends but then i also made a whole bunch of new friends um and those were people that didn't want to lock down refused to lock down um and kind of very vocal. I met them at a lot of the protests that were going on and so, so forth. Um, and the strange thing is, is that in the, the UK, it seems very different to Los Angeles. And right now, everyone just is like, we'd never do it again. Um, but yet, no one's actually apologized for it.
0: It's it's astonishing. I mean, at, at what point for you was it the beginning? Because now here we are, and, and it's. They just had Corinne Jean-Pierre. I'm sure you see stuff going on with US mm-hmm. politics. Corinne Jean-Pierre in the White House was just reminding everybody, hey, COVID's not over. And and some of us want to just jump up and scream. We're like, well, what does that even mean? I mean, the common cold is also not over. The flu is not over. You know, your vaccines don't stop the spread. They don't work. What What is really, you know, maybe they work as well as a flu shot in a good year, maybe, um, for about two months at, at best. <laughs> so we're sitting around yeah. saying, okay, what's really the situation? I remember, for me, the hard break with the consensus or the apparatus was when all of a sudden Fauci went from masks don't work to, oh, no, masks are essential. That was and that was like April of 2020.
1: Right. Exactly. So there was that. Um, and the masks were going on in America, I think, way before they were in the UK. They became mandatory in the U.S. a lot sooner. Um And it was all very strange to me my friend's 90 year old grandma who wasn't in a care home she was being looked after in her own home um she had cancer she has um alzheimer's and she got covid and she got better and to me i was like hold on a minute this is supposed to be the most vulnerable and she's got better from it so what is going on i need to step back from what the media are telling me i need to step back from like this death count that we're seeing on the news every day and i need to look at what's going on around me um and to see a lot of vulnerable people that i knew or people that would be in that kind of category get COVID and be better in addition to no advice on being getting healthy um doing everything kind of opposite to what a normal healthy person would do like you know in the UK they were saying we could only leave the house for an hour a day right that makes no sense to me how do you get your vitamin D how do you get like sunshine fresh air like you need all yeah. of that right to be a yeah. healthy person so it was all very very counterintuitive to me and I was like hold on I'm an ass- and in addition to that I was watching and I always have watched alternative doctors so like Dr Bashar um but um but sorry. And then Dr. Is it Dr. Shiva? I was watching right at the start. So I was seeing these other people have a different view um, and kind of saying like when you, when there's viruses around, you need to take these vitamins or these, and then obviously vitamins and minerals were then a conspiracy theory. And you were like some far right conspiracy theorist. If you thought that taking supplements would ever be good for your health and if fresh air and sunlight or any of these things were good for you. And so it all just, None of it made sense. It all just made zero sense at all to me. And that's kind of when I said, look, hold on a minute. You know, what is what is going on here?
0: Did you have the same level of of craziness with, you know, in, in the US we had, I remember the it was the playground that was right near my house. You know, the park mm-hmm. uh, had some sports fields, things like that. They padlocked it. They pulled the yeah. rims off of basketball courts so that nobody could go out and shoot hoops by themselves or in a group they created little circles in the ground and told people if you go to the park if we happen to have a park that's open at some point this is where you have to sit for social distancing we had little foot pedals in elevators where you were in an elevator right so this would be like foot pedals in a telephone booth because <sighs> you know it's not like there's a lot of room you know and and Did you have all of that stuff, too? I mean, I'm just wondering. Obviously, I couldn't travel during COVID, so I couldn't see how it was elsewhere. But in New York, it was lunacy. You did have that.
1: Yeah, we did. So we had arrows in supermarkets. So you had to go a certain way around the aisles so that you were never (laughs) going in the opposite direction. Um, The playgrounds were all um, fenced off, even park benches. So there was a weird rule that you could uh, go for a walk but you weren't allowed to sit down with a friend or anybody. You weren't allowed to sit down on a park bench. And you weren't allowed to take, uh, say, a coffee with you or a cup of tea because that, even though it was cold, it was like freezing cold, you weren't allowed to take a coffee or a cup of tea because that would class as a picnic. And you weren't allowed to have picnics. You could only have exercise walks. So this is how stupid it got. And I laugh now because I just, at the time, I was so angry. It, like, physically... It wasn't COVID that was what scaring me. It was the control that was scaring me, and I got physically ill from it. And I felt anxiety. Um, it was. It was. It. It was a physical feeling that I felt right from like this authority just closing in on us, and and. Oh, <laughs> how, <laughs> how much? Well, how
0: much? I want, I want to ask you how much of this. Do you think ties into, you know, in, in, in the U.S., a lot of the time when we debate health care uh, in, in any respect, people on the left here will say, well, we should just have what the what the British have with the National Health Service, because everything is free and it's amazing. And that's the line. And my understanding is, one, that's not particularly true. But also, how much of of, of the lockdown do you think was pushed by or, or possible because your government and healthcare service, ours are very much intertwined, more than people realize, but mm-hmm. yours are one and the same. I mean, the government is the NHS and the NHS is the government, right?
1: Right. And so it was pushed. And then we had this thing where at 8 p.m. on a Thursday night, people would come out and they would clap for the NHS. Meanwhile, the NHS doctors and nurses were making TikTok videos. And, um, you know, they were supposed to be overrun in the hospitals and so busy, but they had time to make all these like TikTok videos and these dances, um, and people would call and clap for them. Um, and meanwhile, they were stopping um, cancer patients from getting their treatments. They were, people were too afraid to go into the hospitals because of all the fear being pumped out. Um, so, but having lived in both countries, I would say, obviously, private healthcare, um, it's going to be a lot better than the NHS. Like the waiting lists here are crazy. Yeah, what happens but if in, I want
0: to get an, if I want to get knee surgery and I'm living in the UK? I'm just like an everyday guy. I need to get knee surgery. What, what what's that like? How long do I wait?
1: Well, okay, so. First of all, you need to try and get a doctor's appointment, right? And even now, it's so impossible. There's, like, so many backlogs. You have to call up at, say, 9 o'clock in the morning or 8 o'clock in the morning, stay in line to try and get an appointment over the phone because a lot of doctors still won't even see you, right? This is the craziest thing. Yeah, and then there's – and then, you know, and then people can't get their appointments. So what they then do is they go into emergency care. So, like you know, your ER people will go into the emergency care because they're not feeling well. So then that's overrun, right? So then they've also sacked. I think they've fat, sacked forty thousand care workers. So not necessarily nurses and doctors, but the care workers that care for people once they leave hospital, which is then bedlock uh, bedlock the beds. So they're filled with people that could go back to their house. But can't. And this is because of the vaccine mandates. Right. And that was the only sector actually that did vaccine mandates because there were so many protests in the UK that they never got round to actually mandating it for doctors and nurses. So it is a mess. But the one thing about the UK, unlike Canada, is you can get private health care as well if you want to, which, you know, a lot of people do.
0: So I want to ask you about where it all stands now, because you started to get into that. Like, how how is the situation when it comes to covid uh, in the UK? I mean, here we it felt like we were almost about to get masks back on planes again. And then they backed off of it. But we know it always it's always in the background background because these people are lunatics. But something else is very important for your health is a good night's sleep. And you got to have excellent pillows and sheets to achieve that. We're going to have to send an overseas I think. We'll send you and your husband some my pillows and some Giza dream sheets. The Giza dream sheets are amazing. They're made from the world's best cotton. Giza comes from Egypt, which is obviously where you get the best cotton. Ultra soft and breathable but extremely durable and right now the Giza dream sheets are at the lowest price ever, coming in as low as 29.98 with promo code BUCK. So all you have to do to get Giza dream sheets for less than $30 US is go to MyPillow.com and use promo code BUCK, 2998, the Geezy Dream Sheets. All My Pillow products come with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Geezy Dream Sheets in multiple color styles and sizes. So go to MyPillow.com, click on Radio Listener Specials, pick out some Geezy Dream Sheets, use promo code BUCK, B-U-C-K. It's phenomenal. You get a great night's sleep, which is good for your health, by the way. And back to health, Leilani. What's going on over there now? Do you guys still, you know, Novak Djokovic, you, you and I are both uh, been watching the tennis. I saw you tweeting about it. I'm a Rafa guy, personally. Uh, tennis is one of the few sports, you know, my co-host on radio loves, like, all professional sports. Tennis is one of the only ones I pay any attention to. I love Rafa Nadal, but I do think that maybe Djokovic is just going to have to be crowned the greatest of all time. He may win all three majors this year leading into the U.S. Open. He's still cannot actually attend the US Open because he has not been vaccinated and the US requires non-citizens to be vaccinated before they come in. Uh, How crazy and stupid can things get before they have to relent? What do you think?
1: I don't know. I have no idea what Biden's thinking. Or the administration. I have no clue what is going on. And it blows my mind. Luckily, I'm a dual citizen. So if I want to go back to America, I can. But to think that so many of my friends can't, and a lot of them... Can't leave Los Angeles because they can't get back in. They can't, you know, they can't go home and see their parents. They haven't seen their families in, you know, three years. A lot of my um, expat friends out there, they can't get back into the country. Um, so it's it's so insane to me, and to think that this is all supposed to be about health you know this is like the fittest guy on the planet probably and he can't get into america it's it's madness um but here like i said so there no, are t- tell me that, no, tell there, me what what's
0: going on in the uk with regard to these policies do they still have some lingering covid uh, lunacy
1: so there's no mandates there. Um, they actually never got round to doing vaccine mandates for any jobs other than the care um, the care workers because of all the protests that went on, because there would have been massive strikes in the NHS and, and all sorts. And, and as I said, the NHS is like really overloaded. Um, so they didn't do that. You do see some people still wandering around in masks. And <laughs> it blows my mind. Mm-hmm. And usually they're kind of very unhealthy looking people and I, th- and I think to myself god you know you've had three years to take care of your health but you choose a mask instead um, but a lot is coming out in the newspapers as well just today um, it's been announced that apparently they had sections of the army actually looking at the social media of people they considered lockdown skeptics or anti-vaxxers Um, So, you know, like kind of the Twitter files, how your government Mm -hmm. was involved, our army is being said to be involved. So obviously that's the government, the 77th Brigade uh, fighting disinformation. So
0: this is astonishing. So so your military intelligence in the UK Mm -hmm. was looking at covid dissidents As a possible, I assume, health and therefore safety threat. And wasn't uh, Peter Hitchens, the brother of the late Christopher Hitchens, on that list?
1: Yes, yes, he was. Yeah, he was. Which is weird because he writes for the Daily Mail. Um, And I actually had a really bad hit piece done on me by the Daily Mail. Um, And a journalist called me up and she asked me um, my thoughts on Djokovic when this was like a year ago, right, when he wasn't going to be allowed into Australia or he was going to be deported. And I think the word refusenik was going round. So I called myself a proud refusenik. And she asked me about it. That night, my Instagram got taken down, which is probably where you saw me because Um, Prior to it being taken down, I was mainly on Instagram and not Twitter. But, yeah, the night that she called me for a quote, my Instagram went down. So I think there were journalists kind of ratting out people as well. So, um, yeah, uh,
0: it's it's amazing how
1: much
0: they're they're supposed to be standing athwart the power of the state and standing on the side Mm -hmm. of the people against concentrations of power. We saw throughout COVID in all Western societies The exact opposite of that, that the journalistic enterprise, journalistic uh, apparatus was used entirely as really with a few exceptions, but uh, as an enforcement mechanism. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I've had I had hit pieces written on me, too, about things like I actually had a hit piece written on me by a political fact checking organization uh, because I said that masks outside, outside or inside is ridiculous, too. But outside, you're completely out of your mind. They're like, no, there's still dispute about this. It's not true to say that. And what's amazing is no one ever goes back and changes or corrects any of this. So it really does have kind of a no. Soviet feel. I mean, the Daily Mail, wait, the Daily Mail came out. I would assume the Guardian would come after you, but I, I expect more from the Daily Mail.
1: Yeah, no, it was the Daily Mail, the Mail on Sunday, which was part of the Daily Mail. But yeah, no, I think um, they, they did it about a few people. Actually, it was the people on social media have a presence that apparently we're causing Vaccine hesitancy and we're causing people to die. <laughs> it's basically, wow. how the article went. Yeah,
0: you were you were killing grandma. It turns out I over here in the US was killing grandma as well when I was pointing out that telling people to stay home for a finite period of time before they have to go back to some semblance of normal life and also only telling about 30% of people who work that they should stay home while everybody else is essential so they keep going to work and right. getting sick and spreading the virus anyway. This was a, an idea that was beyond lunacy and w- one thing that that I find is, has been troubling Leilani is that they were wrong about everything and yet I feel like everybody who pushed this stuff they act like everything's fine. Like they got it right and we just move forward and I'm sitting here, I'm still pissed off I, I have not let this go at yeah. all. Maybe that's
1: no, I agree with you. I mean, when you see people like, you know, I don't know if you know who Pierce Morgan is out there. Yeah, sure. Um, right, so he was the vitriol that came out of his mouth, like Oh, he was an establishment who,
0: mask Fauci guy, wasn't he? I'm sure. Oh, oh Pierce.
1: Just evil and he just went, Well, you know, when the facts changed, my opinion changed. As though I was like, hold on a minute, Piers, mm-hmm. facts don't change. Opinions always change, science changes. That's the whole thing. Like, you know, all these people that say, trust the science, science is evolving. It's not like mathematics where it's set, right? So it's like what Piers Morgan says, when the facts change, no facts are facts facts don't change you just never had the facts right and you weren't prepared to listen to the facts and and that's the thing and it's all coming out it's kind of like it's it's strange because it's all dripping out in in little bits um and i don't know whether that's because they have to do it that way because if everyone finds out that if the people that you know believed what the mainstream were saying and believed what our politicians were saying if they found out the lies that went on all at once i don't know what would happen you know it would just be so explosive that i think they have to like just drip feed out these little bits and bobs
0: i have said that to friends by the way that that i one argument that i i don't think is i I think it's partially correct is that a full accounting for uh how wrong the CDC and how honestly useless and even counterproductive it was. The only argument I could have or I can listen to against basically tear it down to the studs and it's a complete disaster is, you know, the CDC does, you know, provide funding for some, you know, for you know HIV research and it does things that that are are worthwhile. And when it tells people. To, uh, you know, th- there are some health aspects that it shares, not very many, but that are good. Basically, what I'm saying is I, I worry that people won't believe the CDC now on almost anything. Right. I mean, that's the only argument against mm-hmm. doing a full breakdown of everything that got wrong is then people won't listen to them about anything, including some of the things that they say are, are true. I don't know if that's a feeling you have in the UK, too, but because the CDC here was an, ab- an abject disaster. I mean, absolutely. The Centers for Disease Control got everything wrong, especially the vaccine stuff.
1: And that's a funny thing, isn't it? It's like people, I think they depend on people forgetting and the short memory people have. So, you know, it was within like six months of Biden saying, "Like literally Biden said, this will stop the spread. It will 100% stop the spread. Rachel Maddow was saying the virus will stop here. That's it. Take the vaccine. The virus stops. Then next thing, like six months later, it's like, no one said it stops the virus, it just makes your symptoms less. It's like, no, no, wait a minute. But they did say that, and they kind of said that was going to be our only way out of lockdown. And so they depend on people forgetting a lot of it and, you know, forgetting their anger as well that they had.
0: Yeah, I, I think... And I ha- think you're
1: right. No. And I think you're right as well. I think that um, it will make people really sceptical. I mean, there's people now that are going to be skeptical of the old-fashioned vaccines, not the mrna vaccines. there are people that are going to be skeptical of all vaccines now because they've pushed this one so hard. there's going to be people that are going to be very, very skeptical of of big pharma and probably you know rightly so to some extent that they don't believe everything that they get told in the future.
0: yes, I, I think the medical establishment also, is suffering from and this is really I think a bigger problem than even the CDC or what you'd see with the with the NIH and the credibility of the entity that the medical field is in a point now where I I think out of either habit or hubris I don't really know what the mentality is that's pushing it Uh, doctor's offices for example in New York City uh, where I spent a lot of my time and where I'm from originally they require you to wear a mask still you can't go into any doctor's office in New York City without a mask on now same thing with hospitals And I'm sitting here saying, guys, this was all crap, right? You know this. And apparently Mm -hmm. they don't or they're unwilling to admit it. Uh, It's it makes no sense. And it's a year round rule, too. It's not even like a seasonal flu covid thing. They're just like, no masks. We all mask now. That's what health means.
1: Are you serious? (laughs) That's so shocking to me, because like you said, going back to England now, I feel like people, although they won't apologize They see that it's complete and utter madness um and so yeah it's rare that you see anybody in a mask anymore but i feel like in america it got very political it was like it was so political it was a sign of who your affiliation was with politically by wearing one or not it was so it was so strange
0: yeah your devotion in america to the mask I mean, first of all, there were people who literally were wearing I voted for Biden masks and things like that, or you know Biden 2020. so and it was all you know Democrats were very pro mask. It became in, an entirely uh, political bifurcation. which side of this are are you on? And that that was troubling to me, but but also, I was saying for months on Twitter, guys, just give it time. they're go- fauci's gonna say, actually we need to double mask because the data will be so clear that cloth masks are worthless, and sure enough, and then I was retweeting my tweet from three months ago saying, hey, I don't have a medical degree, but how did I know that they were going to say that double masking was necessary? Because obviously there was a failure, and there was a point, there was a brief moment where they started talking about goggles. I don't know if you saw this, but they were saying, <laughs> yeah, hey, it goes
1: in your eyes.
0: Yes, because the virus could go in your eyes. Like I, I remember all this stuff, and yet I still come across people, a lot of people on planes in the U.S. will still voluntarily mask, and the thing about them that bothers me, I'm actually I'm contemptuous of it. I, I don't I'm not like, oh, that's OK. Because we went through the they didn't want to live and let live <laughs> if they could. And the Biden administration had the power here again. They would reinstitute the mask on plane rule for everybody, which is crazy, not only because masks don't work. The CEOs of the airlines in this country have all come out to say our HEPA filtration systems on planes go down to the level of virus particles. The cleanest air that people are breathing Anywhere in their life in a congregate setting, as Fauci would say, is on airplanes. So the place with the most concentration of masking scientifically for a place where there's a lot of people. So bars, restaurants, workplace is the safest place. And that's where they wear masks. I just feel like that's a perfect encapsulation of the madness. I lost friends over this, too, by the way.
1: Did you? Yeah, Yeah. it's crazy. I I lost I think I lost half my friends. I really it's so mad. But I've got to say we didn't have the double masking in the UK. So when I saw it, I did take a trip out to Los Angeles. and I saw it for the first time. I was just like, I had to take a picture and send it to my friends and back in the UK and say, my gosh, this is really real. Like people are walking down the street double masked. And I mean, in the UK, so people would only have to wear them in the shops. You never actually had to wear them um, outside on the street. And you could also self exempt yourself. So I gave myself an exemption. I was just, and I didn't even have to prove it. I could go into a shop and say, I'm exempt. And they had to accept that as an exemption. But there were, um, so you'd see people and they would pull out a dirty mask from their purse, put it on. (laughs) walk around yeah. the shop, yeah. take it off, shove it in their bag. And it's, it was so stupid. It, and I laugh about it now. I was so, like I said before, I, i it made me physically ill. I got such anxiety from it and I've never been an anxious person, but I always know that, you know, you've got to listen to like your gut and your intuition. And it was just telling me the whole thing was wrong, right? So I laugh about it now and I'm glad I can laugh about it now because the whole thing was just so absurd. It was just so ridiculous and so absurd and none of it made sense.
0: I went to a restaurant at one point in New York City and I sat down with a friend and um, you had the the rule. And again, I don't know if you had the same rule. The rule was... You had to wear the mask for the trip from the door of the restaurant to the table and then take the mask off for the whole meal. You do not have to mask up between bites during the meal. But I sat down at this restaurant and this is maybe uh, June of 2021, I would think something like that. I sit down in this in this restaurant and the manager comes running over and says, excuse me, sir, could you pull your mask up? And I said, well, well but I'm, I'm sitting like this is the, the rules are, you know, I can't eat through a mask. So the rules are I'm sitting and he goes, no, no, no. Here, we request that until you've ordered your until you've at least ordered a drink or food, you continue to mask at the table. And I'll never forget. I pointed. There was a glass of water on the table already. And I said, that's a drink, isn't it? And his face was just, you know, cannot compute. Yeah. So the water doesn't count. I order a beer and that's OK. The covid won't come. But the water does it. it people I it changed my view of humanity, honestly, and it, it's in in pretty a, in a pretty scary way. And with the vaccines, mm-hmm. the same thing. I mean, you had people that were cheering for folks to get fired from their jobs for something <sighs> that was com- that was a complete failure and that never worked the way that they told us it would it would work. And none of them seem sorry. I've, I've seen one guy. He's actually an Australian fitness influencer who did a true mea culpa. Like, I'm sorry to all my fans. I was yeah. way too trusting and got all this wrong. I, have you seen anybody who's really come out and said, look, I'm I was a jackass. I, my, my bad.
1: No, do you know what? Actually, I've not seen anyone publicly in the public eye do it, but I think it was last weekend I had my first person say, um, somebody that, it was a friend of mine's husband, and we'd go out for dinner and he'd say, I, I just want every unvaccinated person in my company fired, blah, 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 and I had to hold my tongue because I thought we're going to blow up and have a huge argument in a restaurant and this is so inappropriate. So he actually messaged me and he said, you know what? I've listened to this podcast and I've been doing a bit of research and I've done a complete and utter 180 and okay. I am completely again so that was the first one. That's my first one. Um, but that wasn't a friend I lost, it just became like we stopped kind of hanging out as couples anymore because it just got really awkward. Um, but it, it's it's kind of good. So that was my that's my first one, but nothing I've not really seen anyone publicly although actually i'm wrong there was a um there was an mp who came out and said that um he's now vaccine injured and he came out and he said i think we should have a halt and a suspension of the vaccines until we find out what's going on um and he actually said this is the craziest thing he actually got suspended because he said and he quoted in his quote he said i think this is one of the um, worst crimes against humanity since the holocaust now he didn't compare it to the holocaust he didn't say it's as bad as or worse than he just said since and so he got called anti-semitic they said that's an anti-semitic slur um and he's got suspended from his job as an mp his name is andrew bridgen so um and he was actually just quoting somebody so this is the most, ins- so, so there is still insanity going on in the UK, but he was somebody that came out. Um, and actually there's a doctor, Asima Holtra, who um, I think on the early days advised people to take the jabs, who father died um, after having one. And he's um, done a peer-reviewed study and all sorts, and he's come out and said it. So there's, there's maybe a, just a little handful of people.
0: So we'll come back to this in just a second. I want to ask everybody out there if they've tried American Giants incredibly comfortable clothing, especially the hoodies. The hoodies are amazing. Get yourself hooked up with one of American Giants classic full zip hoodies or their newly released classic full zip hoodie that's out right now. The newest one, fit, is perfectly crafted for the days you get to work from home or just want to be comfortable as you run around town. I've got one. I wear it all the time. Made with incredible quality, durability and craftsmanship, plus a roomy fit. So you're really comfortable. American Giant makes everything here in the USA. They obsess over every detail. And it's more than just hoodies, by the way. They've got flannels, sweaters, joggers, tanks, sweatpants, everyday denim. You name it. If you want comfortable clothing, they've got it for you. Revamp your wardrobe this year with the relaxed classic full-zip hoodie at American-Giant.com. That's American-Giant.com. You'll get 20% off when you use my name, Buck, B-U-C-K, at checkout, American-Giant.com, promo code Buck. So, Leilani, you, you tell us a little bit about you. Where did you grow up in the U.K.? I know you ended up being mm-hmm. on, uh, you know, you're you're a public person, right? You now do GB News and you've done um, uh, you were in the Real Housewives of, of Cheshire, which I assume is a very yeah. popular. The Real Housewives shows in the U.S. are wildly popular. So I assume in the U.K. a yeah. lot of people watch it, too. You know, give us a little bit of, of your backstory. How did it come to be? I mean, now I see you on GB News. You're talking Vax Ukraine. You're talking whatever. How would you get to this <laughs> point?
1: Do you know what? It's so weird. I don't know how it happened. It was um, I've moved back to uh, back to the UK from LA. Um, my fiance is a musician, so we were moving to an area called Cheshire, which is where he's from originally. Can, can I just jump um, in? He's
0: not just he's not just a musician. You could you could can tell everybody, you can tell <laughs> the folks. I mean, he's not a guy who's like playing at you know uh, at the bar for tips. Tell everybody who he is.
1: And so it's Billy Duffy from The Cult. Um, He wrote the songs. He's the guitar player from The Cult. Yes, so I, a, I never a, know who who knows him or not. Because, I mean, I didn't, when I met him, I had to, like, I did do a Google search. So when Michael Markle says she didn't Google Harry, <laughs> that's BS, we both Googled each other, right? So, um, yeah, so I never know who knows or not. But, the Cult,
0: the cult yeah, is I, a very excellent, very excellent band. But so, okay, so you, you were... <laughs> How'd you like living in LA by the way?
1: Um, when I well I would think I was I was there 18 years. I got to do the math on this, but I think I was like 22, 23 when I moved out there originally. Um and at the time I was young, I loved it. And um then to me I started I just started to hate it. I think maybe it was about 8 or 9 years ago. I started to hate it. I thought, if I stay here, I'm going to remain single forever. Um, my A lot of my friends had moved back to England, got married, had children. Um, and I just went to see my sister one day and just kind of longed for that lovely, quiet, peaceful life that she had. Just the normal, wholesome life. And I was like, right, that's it. I want to move back to the UK. And luckily, my fiancé is English, but I did meet him out there, but we kind of both decided to um come back at the same time yeah <laughs> even though so it, it's kind of weird because i would made up in my mind if i stayed in la i'd be single forever but i actually met him in la so kind of doesn't make sense
0: i always get told by so, yeah. people um that you find you find the person when you're not looking for the person so maybe also when you're like i'm never going to meet someone in this town It's it's when it actually happens i think for a lot of people that, that's a story that i that i hear uh pretty yeah no pretty it's true i
1: like in in my mind i was like right i'm going back to england that's it and so maybe that took the pressure off when we you know on our first few dates i was like you know i'm like
0: so so how did back. the real housewives of cheshire thing come together and what's that like what's it like to have the um i, I you know have the cameras and all that stuff around is that does it take some like, I, I've gotten used to having a microphone in front of me all the time. I'm not really, yeah. I don't like cameras as much. I just like microphones, but, you know, I have to, we, we do the things for the media. Um, did you enjoy being on that show? What was that? Was that a trip? What was it like?
1: No, you know what? It's funny. I did kind of enjoy it at the time, but there was a lot of arguments, which obviously they want drama, right? So I'm not saying it's staged because none of it was staged. I had genuine arguments and (laughs) resented a couple of people and didn't get on with a couple of people but they also wanted you to actually like make up they it, it doesn't look good if there's this constant conflict and i just i couldn't i was really different to a lot of them um not materialistic the way they were materialistic when i saw the final edit of it and they cut out stuff that's important to me they cut out say, like my walks with my fiance and my dogs they cut out my niece they cut out my sister they cut out me with my horses i was just like you know what i just don't want to i don't want to stay in this they film so much but they really really like just keep like the worst nastiest, horrible bits. And actually, I feel like it's a good analogy for a lot of the news that goes on, you know, when when you watch the BBC or something, and especially during COVID, I'm like, gosh, there's like all these good things going on. There's all these great stories of people getting better, and they're just really focusing in on like the worst thing and the death rates, not, you know, the 90-year-old grandma who's, who's got better. So to me, you know, I think there was a lot of parallels I saw in, in that as well, when I was doing the housewives, and then once I'd left it and was back, I'm going just like it is. Actually, I guess uh, TV and, and the news is like a reality show, just picking the worst out of people.
0: Well, you know, uh, with the with the internet, there's something we talk about a lot, uh, particularly in conservative media here. That that places like CNN, uh, which back in the in the '90s and and the '80s, to some extent, I forget when CNN first came online, but uh, back in the 90s, it was a news ticker, right? So you could turn on CNN right. to get the news. And so that was its value. It was just, hey, you know, this is what the stock market's doing. And, you know, this country is some kind of a conflict. And it could be it would it, it always had a perspective. And it was it was Democrat leaning, but it was presenting news. But now because of the Internet and there's a million news sites and it's instantaneous. And then there's also social media and the sharing of news there some of these news entities have had to just go more and more into the outrage machinery and and essentially propaganda and manipulation of emotion yeah. just to draw audience, right? So this is where you got into commentary, really in place of news at a lot of places entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also why I think people who watch the news uh, too much, and I work in the news, but I always say, I tell people listen to my podcast and then go for a walk in the park. Like people who do too much of this um, it, it is designed to make them unhappy and it is warring propaganda machines for the most part. So you, you, it's like you need some of it, but not too much of it.
1: Right. And I think um in the US as well, it's not as bad as in the UK because the UK have this like governing body called Ofcom and they're supposed to, you know, usually Ofcom is what people write to them if um someone's wearing something a little bit too skimpy on like our equivalent of dance. Of, uh, you've got is it dancing with the stars you hmm. have and you know so we've got like dancing on ice or strictly come dancing and if something's someone's wearing something too skimpy like people will write in and complain but what's also happened is that people will do that if they don't like what's being said about the vaccines or if they don't like what was being said about lockdown they'll be like this is really dangerous and then they flood um places like gb news with all these complaints And then people kind of get investigated and it's just this whole long drawn out process. So instead of being like this, you know, regulatory body that, that is balanced, it's all, it's become part of this like misinformation machine. And then you see like the, the chief executive of Ofcom then is going to Davos and speaking to the WEF. So it's like, hold on a minute. Like this is all so intertwined with the british media it's very it's it's yeah it's very different from uh, the us i think
0: yeah well i don't think you guys have uh, obviously you don't have a constitution but i don't think that there's the same uh legal protections for speech right i mean if someone says something that exactly. is essentially disturbing the peace in some capacity meaning that it says something that upsets enough people I always see these articles in the Daily Mail, which, by the way, is is a news site that I, I you know, read a lot. Well, the cops will come knock on the or do you, Bobby's. Do we call the Bobby's? Is that, <laughs> yeah. no? is that right? Okay. I
1: don't know. We don't do it so much anymore. Yeah. But you know what? I've noticed, actually, we're picking up a lot of the American terms because it used to be police and cops used to be so American. But now everyone says cops here. So Yeah, it's, it is. It
0: is a quick and easy, up, yeah. easy shorthand. Um, by the way, since, since we're talking linguistics for a second here. So would your accent be considered, I'm, I'm fascinated by British accents. I've talked about this on radio yeah. because they, de- like first of all, whenever there's a historical piece, so if, there, if we're setting a, a show or a movie in ancient Rome, even if it's made by Americans, we needed them all to have British accents, which, we, which is kind of funny, right? Because they would have been speaking Latin, so why they have to have British accents as <laughs> opposed to American accents, never, re- but we just think like, oh, fancy, historical, British. But then you also have, there's like fancy accents up here. And they go, like, oh, I, like, I do a lot of things. And yeah. You know, like you have the, the you know, the, like, the, so the, the soldier, the everyday soldier is going to have more of, I guess, a, a Cockney accent. And the, So is yes. your accent Mancunian or what, what would yours be considered?
1: No. Okay, so mine is really messed up. So I'm from the south of England. Um, so I would think it would be considered quite harsh. But then I went to live in London for a bit. And I don't know, my accent just seems to keep changing all the time. And then I moved to America where everyone thought I was Australian because I started to pick up this twang. And I think when English people move to America, they start to sound Australian. Um, and I don't know how that is, but that, that does kind of happen. You get, before you sound American, you start to sound Australian. But then I moved back and my fiance is from Manchester, so he's Mancunian. So then I pick up these northern bits. But now i actually live in the middle of the country from birmingham i don't know if you've ever watched peaky blinders oh it's <laughs> so one of my
0: favorite shows yes yeah. ma'am.
1: so it's that kind of act. so mine is just it's a mess and depending on who i speak to i somehow pick up little twangs of things it's very strange it's very strange i've got a weird accent
0: and also, so can you, this would be kind of fun, because most people, by the <laughs> way, will listen, so we, we will have people watching on video so they can see you, but most people will be listening to this on 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 audio only. So if you were going to tell me in an American, like speak for me in an American accent, your version of oh, yeah. the most American accent you can do about um, why, you know, w- w- did you spend much time in New York too or only Los yeah. Angeles?
1: No, just LA. Just
0: Los Angeles. Tell, tell me tell me something about being, uh, you know, your favorite things about Los Angeles in an American accent. I just want to hear it because I always find it funny <laughs> oh, God, when these, when these oh. British actors are cast in American roles. And they all, this so, so because you guys all complain.
1: An official message from Medicare.
0: A new law is helping me save more money on prescription drug costs. Maybe you can save too. With Medicare's Extra Help program, my premium is zero and my out-of-pocket costs are low. Who should apply? Single people making less than $23,000 a year or married couples who make less than $31,000 a year. Even if you don't think you qualify, it pays to find out. Go to ssa.gov slash extra help. Paid for by
1: the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services.
0: About how our accents are terrible. We all sound like, you know, we this thing. <laughs> right, and you, you all, the Brits all make fun of us. But I I see all these guys who come over and they try to do the American accent and they all kind of talk like like their face is really tight. They're like, yeah, now I'm American, <laughs> you know. So what is your do um, an American accent about Los Angeles living for the oh, audience no, 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 for no, 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 a second?
1: I, I just have to do it like I have to ask for something. Can I like have some water, please? <laughs> Is that the, okay. it's go, like And kind of, go, and, it's kind of. and Can I have some butter And then <laughs> It was It'd be so weird Because when I used to say water Can <laughs> I have some water They'd be like huh And then you'd have to go like Oh yeah. water And like yeah, so it was it was really So, oh, I take and oh, I get some bread. I would say, can I have some butter, please? And then they'd say, huh? Go, oh, oh, butter. Can I have some butter? Do you, <laughs> me, oh, you, okay.
0: Did you find that's funny? Because your American kind of actually sounds like a Valley Girl, which I'm sure you're familiar with that concept from Los Angeles. It's yeah, girls who are from the you know the Valley near L.A. Um, uh, did you find that Americans enjoy like? Did you get tired after a while of people all being fascinated by Because Americans are still fascinated by British accents. Like, we hear one, we're like, oh, that's so cool, you know. And we, we don't get that anywhere. Like, we don't go to Canada and they're like, oh, speak more in your, in your American accent for us, eh? Like, they don't care at all. So, was that something that was a common place for you in L.A.? Or people just were like, yeah, it's
1: L.A.? Yeah, no, I think... Uh it was more when I would go to other places or I'd leave L.A. and go to somewhere else that people would say, oh, I'll say that again, say that again <laughs> or speak a bit of this. Or, <laughs> or they try and do my accent pretty badly. But, um, does, yeah, anyone so do, a, but does
0: anyone yeah. do, are, are there any American actors that you've seen who you're like, that one, that man or woman really pulls it off well? You know, like Angelina Jolie went through a phase where she was always trying to do British roles, it seems, you know, some of them. Is there anyone here like that person really nailed it?
1: Gosh, I don't know. Actually, I was watching. Was um, I? was coming back from holiday, and I watched Gangs of New York. And I thought Leonardo did a good um, Irish accent, but that's obviously not English. So I don't know. I can't think because usually, if they're that good, it doesn't stand out because I think they're and um, I think they're English until they speak. So let me.
0: Do you? Can you tell right away? I, I think... mean, so as as an American, when I hear somebody. If I hear somebody from Boston, from, from the South, from the Midwest, it's a little harder actually with California, unless they have kind of a prototypical, and there's actually a Florida accent. I'm down in Miami now. So there's a, it's a Miami accent, not a Florida accent, but there's a very specific Miami speech and cadence that people have, um, which feels almost like a Latin, uh, like has almost like a more of a, uh, English, Spanish crossover, Latin rhythm to it, um can you tell like when someone speaks are you like that person's from Birmingham that can you tell right away or is it a little bit hard
1: oh in England yes yeah definitely you definitely can tell sometimes the weirdest thing is that sometimes or when I was living in America I would get mixed up between Irish and Scottish just because I hadn't heard them for so long um but you can definitely tell I think between like Liverpool Birmingham from down South, Cockney. The ones I struggle with are kind of like the Yorkshire and Sheffield, um, Yorkshire and Sheffield and Manchester a little bit to some extent, because when I met Billy, I thought he sounded um, like Ned Stark from Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. But apparently he's like Yorkshire or Sheffield. And he's like, I don't sound like him. I'm from Manchester, and he's from, like, Sheffield. I was like, oh, you're northern. You all kind of sound the same to me. But there's – Newcastle sounds very different. Like, I can almost not even understand what they're saying and need a translator. And <laughs> they speak so strangely. But, like, you can definitely tell Liverpool and Birmingham and, yeah.
0: And and I know you have – you mentioned this briefly, and, and from, uh, you know, social media, I know you love horses. Has that been a lifelong yes. thing or – Do you, do you just, do you, do you ride? Do you, do you want to breed Mm -hmm. horses? Like what's the, do you show them? What do you do?
1: So I show jump a little bit, but just for fun. Like I'm not, you know, not professional or anything like that. Um, and I have, I have three horses here at home now. Um, and I did start, I started riding. I I loved them when I was a little girl. I was like absolutely obsessed with them. Um, I had little my little ponies and then I got a little, little my da- my parents got me a little pony because in the UK back in the day kind of was a thing there's loads of land that you know there's a lot of space if you don't live in London um, loads of fields and we just had a little I had a little pony um, I probably stopped riding when I was about 16 and then um, Back in LA, when I got fed up of, you know, kind of going out and all of that, I I ended up buying myself another horse. So I was probably about, had him 10 years now. So I was about 34 um, and I got myself a horse out there. And then just the love of it all came back. And I think, I just wondered to myself, I wonder what would have happened if I had carried on riding at like 16, if I would even have gone to America, because, think horsey people are a little bit obsessed <laughs> and uh, my fiance says i'm completely utterly insane because i have one horse and then i moved back to england i got another horse and then as soon as we had um we moved to a place where i could have them at home there was a spare stable i decided i needed to fill it by getting another horse <laughs> and, so,
0: and you said dogs too right so give us what's the whole menagerie here yeah. we got three horses we got some dogs
1: And two dogs. Both my dogs are 15 now. So I got them when I was living in America. And yeah, they came back with me. One of my horses came back with me um, and then got two horses here. Yeah. So that's a long long swim across (laughs) the
0: Atlantic. That horse must be in really good shape.
1: (laughs) Flew. He flew. (laughs) Pegasus. That's
0: a a fancy horse. Um, I (laughs) figured they'd do it by a shipping container, but uh, apparently he flew. That's very cool so um, yeah no well, no it's, it's,
1: it's crazy they have like um I think it's it's KLM they they have like a whole um, half a section I think for animals that are being transported so they they do have like the shipping container for three horses and it's usually race horses or something that go on and get shipped to Europe but it's, I do uh, I do
0: have to give you a, a film recommendation that is near and dear to my heart for a few reasons uh, have you seen? the documentary about the horse whisperer called buck
1: yes yes i oh, have you've seen it. and i love okay. it I, okay. have, I was gonna say yeah. I think it, it is
0: great not just because it's a great name but it is great because the guy is really he's amazing i mean that was a very and for anyone who's listening or, or watching if you haven't seen it didn't get a ton of like a, a lot of press i feel like and it was really really good uh, for what it was, and I actually, I'm supposed to with my fiance. I'm supposed to watch Seabiscuit Biscuit in the next week. We've talked about watching Sea Biscuit for one of our. Uh, movie nights coming up, so um, you know, yeah, yeah, so I'll have to check I didn't see
1: that thing. actually. I think, wasn't he a little racehorse?
0: Yeah, I, apparently, a very a good one, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: very good, but I think he was small. I might be confusing him with another. Oh, yeah, one, no, but. we need a
0: little engine that could story here, you know what I mean? It needs to be a David and Goliath yeah. thing, I'm sure. So, he's probably the horse to like, oh, he's just gonna be carrying like. You know, moving a cart around or, you know, he's worthless. And then all of a sudden he kicks all the other horses asses. Like, I haven't seen it. I don't even know the story, but I have a feeling that's probably probably where yeah. this is going. Right. I mean, I don't think Seabiscuit ends up like smoking cigarettes and not meeting his full potential. So I think that's a that's a good thing for sure. So w- where should people go, Leilani, to, to find more of, of both your commentary? Your GB News stuff is great uh, over in the UK. Um, I know you're doing stuff with Mark Stein over there. Right. So where should people follow? Yes.
1: You? Yeah. So um, I have got a new Instagram, it's Lani Dowd. You can't, I can't use my full name still. So don't grasp me up to Instagram or report me. (laughs) Um, And Twitter, it's Lani Dowding. Um, And I also am hosting a show on a channel called Iconic. Um, It is a subscription channel, but some of the shows go out on Rumble and YouTube. Um, And it's it's kind of, it's talking about what's in the news, but because we're not on TV, we're not governed by Ofcom and we can just speak freely and have people who want to say how they feel and how they really, really feel on there. So that's on iconic.com. And it's I C K, um, like David Ike.
0: <laughs> gotcha. All right, cool. We'll go check out Leilani's work. Thank you so much for being with us and for standing strong during the lockdown and COVID madness. It was good to have uh, some additional friends from across the pond on that one.
1: Thanks. No, you too. It's great. Like everyone, you know, both sides still standing together. Absolutely.
0: All right. Thanks. Born from the tragedy of 9-11, the Tunnel Towers Foundation made a promise to ensure we never forget. Since then, Tunnel Towers has been committed to supporting America's heroes and their families. Heroes like U.S. Army Specialist Michael Hook. Hook was killed in Iraq when his helicopter was shot down. He enlisted in the military after graduating high school and left behind a pregnant fiancé, who gave birth to a son that he would never meet. But thanks to the generosity of friends like you, Tunnel to Towers paid off the mortgage on his family's home, relieving a financial burden and bringing stability. The foundation helps Gold Star and fallen first responder families, as well as our nation's most severely injured heroes and homeless veterans. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good. America's heroes are counting on you. 95 cents of every dollar you give goes directly to its programs. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2, T, dot org. Never forget nine eleven or the sacrifices our heroes have made for us.